Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus with producer Sana Marie. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. Breaking news out of over thousands of applicants, the Verbally Effective podcast has been selected to showcase at the 2020 South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas. Ina Esco will be interviewing Taylor to the Stars and Memphis native Rich Fresh on the big stage. Hey everybody, it's your favorite author and president of Put It In Writing PR, Jay Henderson, and I'm hanging out with my girl, Ina Esco, on the Verbally Effective Podcast. This kid Mac with Mac Boys Custom Wood Furniture and Memphis Nightlight Promoter. I'm on Verbally Effective Podcast with Eno Esco. I'm Chef Philip Dwayne and I'm verbally effective because I believe it's time for a change. The world is full of artists, culture, and diversity. It's time to show the world your true capabilities. Chef Philip Dwayne is the chef operator of Park Plus Cherry Cafe at the Dixon Gallery and Gardens and owner of Chef Philip Dwayne Private Chef and Catering Services. Chef Philip Duane is a private chef specializing in French-inspired cuisine. Born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee, he has traveled the world providing exquisite culinary experiences to individuals, private events, corporate gatherings, and large-scale events throughout the United States and internationally. Chef Philip was trained under executive chef Andreas Keisler of the acclaimed Peabody Hotel, and since then, he has prepared delectable cuisines for former First Lady Laura Bush, Fortune 500 companies such as Valero and FedEx, internationally recognized companies and organizations such as the National Civil Rights Museum and Hyde Foundation, and also professional athletes such as LeBron James, Stephon Curry, and Monte Ellis. Verbally effective, your double E, Ina Esco. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Verbally Effective Podcast. You know, I've had quite a few people on this podcast. However, today I have a real deal chef on the pod with me, none other than Chef Philip Dwayne. What's up? In the building. How y'all doing? (laughs) (laughs) We're doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. Happy to be here. Thank you for coming, Chef Philip. Where are you from? I'm from Memphis. I grew up in Klondike, actually. Klondike? Klondike. I don't think I had anybody from Klondike. Straight out the north. Klondike. Klondike. Am I saying Klondike? Klondike. Yeah. Klondike. Yeah. What would you do for Klondike bar? Klondike. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Klondike. Okay, and that's North Memphis. Exactly what area is that in North Memphis? Close to Smoker City. That's like right oh, between Smoker City. City and Evergreen. Like oh, right there. Oh, you the over there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Klondike. What yeah. was you doing growing up at Klondike? Klondike. This is where the grandparents resided. So that's where I grew up. Uh, we moved up a little north, further north, uh, to Hollywood shortly after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I spent 
the majority of my time uh, until we finally ended up in Raleigh. So okay. Raleigh was kind of where I grew up for really? good. Yeah. Okay. So growing up in Raleigh, what kind of activities were you into? Um, as as the young chef <laughs> Philip Dwayne. I mean, back in the day, you know, everybody kicked it with family. So I spent a lot of time with, like, my cousins um, and my family. Are you an only child? No, no, no. no? I got siblings. I got a sister and a brother. Okay. Um, but we, we was all kind of different. So we, I, honestly, in my immediate family, I was the only boy out of, ooh, had three girl cousins, my sister. So it was four girls and me. Um, so the only time I really got to kick it was outside of that. Uh, so I spent a lot of time at like my great granny house um, and things like that. My little brother's substantially younger than me, like, like seven years. Oh, that's a big gap. Yeah. So um, yeah, even kicking it with family. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my friends stayed in the neighborhood, but you know we see each other on a just passing by basis. Mm-hmm. Mama didn't play that, you know, Mama being out play. too long. You know, you come on back to the house. It's okay. too much going on. I, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Now, what school did you attend? I went to Raleigh, Egypt. Okay, Raleigh, mm-hmm. Egypt. I was at Raleigh, Egypt in 1996. Oh. Yeah, 95, 96. That was my junior year. Okay. Yeah, it was fun. Okay. Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Okay. <laughs> Good people. <laughs> yeah, I met a <clears throat> lot of great people from Raleigh, Egypt. So what activities were you involved in at Raleigh, Egypt, though? I ain't doing a whole lot. Like, I was just the silly dude. I was just the me. Silly the dude? silly dude? Like, you know, I, I don't know. I like to have a good time. So, you know, uh-huh. I'm just like laughing. Like the class clown? So, so to say. So to say a little bit. Um, I, I was in the band for, for a minute. What instrument uh, did you play? Cymbals. I just, I watched, really? I watched Drumline. My homeboy said it was Cymbals, cool. Cymbals, that's different. Yeah, you know, I can't dance or nothing, so... <laughs> <laughs> After dancing and clowning, but it was cool. You know, people liked it. You mm-hmm. know, you get a little bit of attention, you know, playing mm-hmm. cymbals and dancing. Uh, I couldn't play basketball, but, like, my best friend at the time was, like, highly ranked in the country. Maybe, cool. like, Maurice, Maurice Miller. Maurice Miller. Yeah, they call him Mo. Uh, but he ended up going to Georgia Tech. So um, he was, like, my, my dude. Um, so I got, like, being a basketball manager on the team. It was cool, though. Like, you'd think a job like that lame. Like, I didn't have to do a whole lot, and I got to, like, to travel. So mm-hmm. um, being a kid who was, like, basically borderline poverty, so to say, uh, this is the first time I got to, like, fly out of Memphis and do okay. different stuff. So, you know, Delaware, St. Louis, California. like Riley Egypt was doing all, all that. They were, like, ranked in the country at the oh, time. So they I was, played ball for Riley Egypt. I was like, I didn't go to Delaware no, and all Riley of that. Egypt was good. That was, that was who they had? Duke Calhoun, then they had Moe, they had uh, this guy Grimbeards, Caleb. They was they were cold. Mm-hmm. They was good. Uh, I think they got up to, like, number nine. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it was fun. But other than that, now nah, I was... I was just like a cool little dude. Uh, cool I actually dude. got expelled. What? <laughs> My 12th grade year, I'll never forget, for like fighting a teacher. Just doing. You fought a I fought, whole teacher. I, I didn't really fight him. <laughs> was happened? Bojo there when you was there? Who? Coach Bojo? Yeah. We got to fight. <laughs> Wait a minute. I got to hear this story. How did this occur? You know how you late for class and your teacher like, hey, you know, you can't get in the class, so I'm pulling the door open because I know I'm finna get in trouble if I don't get in this class. So I'm pulling, he pulling, he snatched me on in. I push him, and I, I don't know, teachers ain't supposed to hit students in the face, but that's kind of what happened. So he was the wrestling Ooh. coach. So at this time we like we we jack, oh, and uh, wow. 
and you yeah, got, got expelled. Yeah. Did he get any kind of? Oh, you know they, he swore I hit him at first, uh, but you, you can see it on the this? camera. I had witnesses, but you know, students' voice went went like that at first. Wow. But uh, Mama fought for me to get back in school. I you know, she did. she fought, so they ended up turning into like a three week suspension, and uh, we worked it out. Yeah. Wow. Was, so what happened once you <laughs> graduated? From Raleigh, Egypt. What did you do? Um, actually, the craziest. It was that was a crazy part of my life. Um, oh yeah. My best friend got an offer to Georgia Tech. Um, with him going, I got an offer to get a free ride if I would just, you know, just agree to go with him. Uh, hey, wait a minute. Your <laughs> friend had it like that. Like that. He was cold. He was cold. Uh, wow. And a lot of people don't know this story, but um. Paul Hewitt, who was the coach of Georgia Tech at the time, yeah, they offered me a full ride to Georgia Tech to come with him, you know, because he agreed to sign. I thought I was in love, though, so I kicked it at Memphis and uh, you stayed at the house. <laughs> oh, but you know what? When we that age, we make them kind of mistakes. Yeah, we broke up like six months later. No, like, man, I you could have been at Georgia Tech. <laughs> been at Georgia Tech. Dang, for the love, for the love. But it was all good. Uh, actually, that year. <laughs> I enrolled at the University of Memphis um, for architecture. But that was the same year the Tigers were, like, the best team in the mm -hmm. country. Um, so I met the guy JoJo, RP JoJo. Um, mm -hmm. Me and JoJo got cool. It was like, come be a video coordinator at, at for the basketball team. So I ended up shooting, like, film for the team. Um, were you already involved in film? No, nah, he just asked. That was just a, a vacant job, I guess. So. Okay. Uh, during that time, I got to get cool with, like, Coach Cal. Me and D-Rose was real cool. Um, Joey Dorsey, Chris Doug, all those guys. So, like, I got to spend that whole season. That was one number one, number two, Memphis versus Tennessee. That year was real mm -hmm. dope. I got to meet, like, Dick Battelle, Irv Gotti, and all those guys. Mm -hmm. So, it was a good time. I had no cares about class, though, so that it sucked my first semester. Oh, <laughs> You was just doing it up. Just doing it. But it, had, it was a good time. It's like one of them times you don't get back and then Drake yeah. make this song and shout out to World Wide West and you like man I was kicking it with William Wesley every day and didn't even know who he was wow. um, so yeah it's one of my one of the good times were you cooking back then no no nah, no it cooking was just straight school just, just party. straight school party did you graduate from Memphis no so that's ultimately how I started cooking okay. I uh architecture wasn't working out I dealt with like a little racism with the department oh. Uh, so I left there and I went and got into management information systems, which I'm a real techie guy. A lot of people don't know that I, I do a lot of work with computers. I was going to ask you, how did you choose architecture as your first I major? can draw. Okay. I can draw real well. So growing up, that was one of my hobbies. I I'll draw. Um, I'm a good, like, facial poet, poetry drawer. Um, so I'm real good. But uh, my one... I. Coming out of high school, you're like, what can I do to make money? You know, everybody mm -hmm. want to be firefighters and police. And I'm like, no, nah, I want to, like, build some stuff and do something okay. different. So um, architecture was it. But that didn't work out, so I figured I'd go into computers. Uh, and then I ran into math. I hate math. <laughs> <laughs> so you said this not me. I said this ain't it. Um, <laughs> so that ultimately led me to leave college. You know, I guess you would call it a college dropout, so to say. Um mm -hmm. But a friend of mine, his mom worked at the Peabody, and I told him, I was like, I need a job. You know, your mom can get me in. So I went in as a dishwasher. I was making like seven fifty, dishwasher mm -hmm. uh, which was horrible. And this is what, like at the age of 19? This is 18, 19. Yeah, okay. 19. Uh, long hours. Like, you get to work at 3, and you might not get out to like 
12, 1 in the morning because, you know, this is like the banquet kitchen. So the people I feed, hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. Uh, so I did that for like six months. And so they got this thing called the plate-up line where it's like an assembly line of like foods that everybody taking. Each person put like a different component of the plate on. And one day the chef came over and he was kind of like, hey, uh, I like how you did that. Like, do what? Like, how you put the meat on the plate? And I was like, you know, oh, cool. That's what's up. <laughs> like, you want to be a chef? I'm like, you know, not, not really, but, you know, we, we can. I pay you $10 an hour. I'm like, cool. Ooh, <laughs> that was a bit <laughs> up on the, on the pay. Yeah, so um, I moved over to, to being a cook. Um, and this guy would, like, grow to be, like, my dad, so to say. My father was incarcerated the most of my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, being a black kid, um, I didn't have a lot of role models. And this Austrian guy who from Vienna, wow. I'd never seen was like the first person I've like legit trusted in my life with the things he was saying. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay, cool. If you, I believe you. So he basically said like, if you let me train you, you know, you'll have your own business one day. Like you'll have your own restaurant possibly. You'll be successful, but you got to wow. listen. Uh, and that's how, that's kind of how it worked out. And you believed him. <clears throat> I did. The first person I ever believed in. I had I, I had trust issues as a child. It just yeah. when nobody tells him the truth. <laughs> yeah. What was his name? Uh, his name was Andreas. Andreas. Uh, yeah. Uh, and we worked together for like the next six years. Like, and he taught you. Taught me everything I know. Uh, it was tough though. He was like Gordon Ramsay on. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if it's steroids. It's <laughs> <laughs> whatever bigger than that. But uh, he was definitely Gordon Ramsay. But you know, he believed in me and took me and gave me all this training and you know, uh, just stuck with me. You know, it's hard. You a kid. This ain't really what you want to do, but the money good. Yeah. So you like rebellious. You like I ain't gonna go to work today. You call in. Mm-hmm. I ain't never, I ain't never been at a job. You call in, and then he call you and be like, "No, <laughs> you gotta come to work." Oh wow! But but you know what? It shows he believed in you as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Like what? What you sit? You just got a call for you, like throwing up. You feel oh, like you're finna die. Oh no, you come to work, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you might get to work, and you don't look like you want to be there. So it's like cool. You know what? Go home, mm-hmm. earn your shit. You know, and come back and get it together again. And uh, that that's that was our relationship. Wow. Uh, you said that was for six years? Six he years. Taught you? Six years. So what happened after six years? Um, after six years, I worked with a few other chefs around the city, uh, guys like Erlen Jensen, not Erlen Jensen, uh, Kelly English. I uh, worked at Iris for a short stint. Uh, Jose, uh, who works at River Oaks. I don't think a lot of people are up to the knowledge about what a master chef is, but there's only about... I want to say between 80 or 100 of those guys in the entire world. A master uh, chef. A master chef. And when people say master chef, it's actually like a slap in the face to those guys because to become a master chef, there's like a seven, I think like seven-day extensive test mm. of like baking, cooking. Like you have to know the whole realm of all of this stuff. And it's like a real excruciating experience. And so to make it through that, like I would definitely call you a master chef. And so when people call themselves like chefs and master chefs, like it's a, it's a different kind of thing to the guys up top because they like, do you know what this means? Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's it's people have to like really get in and get the knowledge of what that is because it's not something in in Paris or Italy, all these other places like London, you can't do that. Like, 
American wow. kind of standardize it a little bit, mm-hmm. but it ain't cool over there. You're like, really? no, I'm a chef from what? What do they call themselves? Well, they chefs too. But but, but you can't but know you anybody can't, be saying they're chefs. Can't know anybody but, say that over there. It's respect. You and know. You know what? I was gonna ask you to break down what makes you a chef. Yeah, like it. That's that's really it. And then, and a lot of it is just time. Like you you really have to put in the time. And I think for me for myself, I I work with the guys and get all the proper training i always like to say i'm the like the bridge builder i've worked with the guys who are classically trained and mm-hmm. i've also worked with like the new era of like your african-american home taught chefs who you know are kind of like influential mm-hmm. social media people um but it's still that gap because there's still that respect thing like okay we see y'all mm-hmm. but y'all ain't been through what we've been through that's how they feeling wow. um but I think now people are making more of an effort to kind of just make it jail a little bit because mm-hmm. ain't nothing you can fix. Like, you can't really tell people what they want to do, you know, what they can say, what yeah. they can't do. Can anyone call themselves <clears throat> a chef? I mean, yeah, you can, you can if you go home and cook. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, but, you know, it's just once you get outside the door, it's mm-hmm. a different story. But you chef uh, Philip DeWine I'm, I'm, I'm up me. in this time. I'm me. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Chef Philip Dwayne. <laughs> I mean, you had your training. What was next after you were fully trained, or I guess enough to where, hey, I'm gonna do something with this? So actually, I got burnt out. Well, no, I'm gonna go back. I moved to San Diego. Um, Why did you move to San Diego? I got a job offer at the Del Coronado. Um, I applied. They they called. Um, I moved to San Diego to work at the Del Coronado, so which was the, the sous chef, master chef, just a, just a chef, okay. just sort of like a sous chef. Um, so that was cool. Um, it was different because where I worked, there was always a lot of screaming and chaos. Mm-hmm. This was corporate though. This was and the people out is corporate, but this was a different kind of corporate. Like the unions in California, so it's certain stuff you can't do. So it was real quiet, real laid back, ain't nobody arguing, ain't nobody yelling. Where I'm from, they throwing plates, they mad, <laughs> something ugly, they're throwing it on the floor, telling you to make it over. Like it's it's like that. Mm. In California it's just like, okay, we got this, we got this, we cool, we got that. Okay, cool, let's and it, it bored the hell out. Like it was so boring that I was just like I can't do this. Uh, <clears throat> so one of the guys who worked there was like, I, I think I understand where you come from. Let me send you up the road. Uh, so I applied at this place called the Grand Del Mar, which is 15 stars, five diamond. Mm. Immaculate, mm-hmm. like immaculate. Um, but at that time, I had the pleasure of being one of the like cooks to help out with LeBron James wedding, oh. which was like, it was super dope. Uh, it was dope. It was like one of those situations where you can't say nothing, mm-hmm. you just work. Yeah. So don't pick your head up, just work, you mm-hmm. know, don't nothing. Uh, but it was cool, the experience, you know, seeing all the people. Um, so it was like a, a new thing. Um, but shortly after that, um, as I was getting into, I got burnt out on cooking. So I went to the military. You went to the military. Uh, I went to the military. What branch did you? Navy. Enter? Navy. Okay. Real short lived though. Super <laughs> super short. Um, I always call this this phase in my life when I write my book the the guy factor because um, I went in and I wasn't allergic to anything. Uh, I took some aspirin one day and like got like a bad a reaction and had it's to get an stuck aspirin. with an epipen. No. And so they call it anaphylactic shock. Right. Um, so, which is disqualifying in the military. Oh. Um, so I got honorably, honorably medical discharge. Uh, wow. So basically, I came home two weeks after went to the doctor, and I wasn't allergic to anything. 
And it was just like, okay, God, I see what you did. Yeah, let me let me let me go back. Um, but I came home and I applied at places like Houston's, Carabras. I went to nursing homes. Mm-hmm. And I put this on Facebook one day. I I applied in so many places when I came home and could not get a job with all the experience I had. Like I must have applied at every place in Memphis. And even tried to go to the PYD, and everybody was like, nah. Even y'all. <clears throat> even my old job. Like, I, I look through my emails all the time from back in the day and be like, I I know countless days I was sitting at home just looking through, looking through, and wasn't nobody calling me back. And so I didn't know if I was overqualified, underqualified. Yeah. I couldn't figure it out. And what year was this about? Oh, this was 2000. It's 20. So it said to be like 16. Okay. That's not that long ago. <clears throat> ain't that long ago. Like, <laughs> the the turn of real. But no, so after that, um, a couple people that I, I did know found that I was back in town. So I started doing like, some, you know, small cooking and gatherings and stuff like that. Um, and my homeboy Desmond, uh, Chef D. Arthur, mm-hmm. um, he had a company. Um, and I did like some small work with him in the beginning and he came and he was just basically like, you know, how about you just be the exec, you know, for the catering company, we'll figure it out. So um, I always say I I didn't know business like that at first. So I was looking for like business tutelage, so to say. He knew a lot about the business mm-hmm. um, and I was like the cook. So it was kind of like a, a trade off. Yeah. And I was, um, and I took that and you know, his catering company, like, just, it, it blew up a little bit. He was able to go back home, so I ran the company for a minute as far as, like, cooking and things like that, which was fun times. It was fun to, like, work with a black guy and, like, just have a good time with that. Uh, shortly after, I think, uh, I think it was just time to, to, to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, How did you know <clears throat> it was your time? Um, it's just a good feeling. It's just like, you know, you, you, you want to jump and, you know, not, I would never knock working for anybody, but sometimes like your ambitions exceed, you know, other people's dreams. And so you just got to take a chance on yourself. Um, so it, it just happened. Um, I started like doing meal prep at the time, which was like my bread and butter, Mm -hmm. uh, kept me afloat, but, you did meal prep for others. For other people. Okay, yeah. Um, and it started off real small. I had this one guy, uh, Sylvester. He was a little heavy, uh, just wanted some meal prep, and he started getting it weekly. So he was telling people about it, and other people called, and different people were calling. And I was like, okay, cool. So I was doing it, and if I look back at it then and see it now, it's just like, you know, what what was I doing then? Because it, it don't look good back then. <laughs> but like it was something I was trying to figure out. <laughs> But uh, was I was it, doing though. it though. Yeah. <laughs> but over the course, this was this has been like three years. I've had people to lose up to seventy five to one hundred pounds. Wow. Um, I've had people to get off their hypertension meds. Change a lot. Off their diabetic meds, like it's it's been a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was that. Um, I was doing a lot of private chefing at the time, so cooking for like different. Um, at the time, that was like surgeons and doctors and things like that uh but you were getting a lot of referrals right? a ton of referrals mm-hmm. a ton of referrals um that's about the time i cooked for young Dolph the first time so i've had like a lot of run-ins with him He's, how was that experience um 
it's cool. By the time I got to him, though, I had been around so many famous people that it was mm-hmm. just kind of like, I just need to make sure I get a picture when it's over, you know. <laughs> um, but the world is trendy, and so people see you, and they see who you're hanging with, and they see what you're doing, like, oh, I want this guy to cook for me. Right. Um, but luckily, um, he supported me enough to call me back. You know, if something good, they're going to hit you back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Do you uh, remember what you cooked? Seafood. That meal? It's seafood. Mm-hmm. Um, is that your 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 expertise yes that, that is okay let me go back though okay go back I, I think they was on the podcast butch uh my guy butch called me and asked me to do his birthday party and that's kind of where the whole seafood academic took off like okay. epidemic took off um he had like a, a dope party um a lot of seafood i think he crab legs um, shrimp Alfredo, Bucci Bucci, that's my guy. Like he's somebody I've met just out the wind, and like Shout we Bucci, we boys Bucci. now. Shout out Bucci, <laughs> Bucci okay. But he hit me, and uh, we did his party, and like we we got cool, and that's kind of how word got wind. Um, you know, his peeps, some people he hang out with, they started to call, and they got mm-hmm. connections to Dolphin. So, like, it was like a whole thing. But that's word of mouth. You know, something good, and it spread like wildfire. Um, and because of that, I was able to do some, you know, other stuff. I was a personal chef for Tyreek Evans while he was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was cool. Jarnell Stokes back in the day. Um, I cooked for Money Man this year. Um, like, it's it's been a, a lot. Um, I got flown to... Cancun and Jamaica. Uh, just to cook. Just to cook. Uh, Shout out to Ten Carrot. Like Ten Carrot, um, she you know mm-hmm. hair specialist. She hair super dope. I always tell people like she like one of the realest people I've met. When when guys you know who own and got status you know won't take a chance and like mess with you the way they should. Like she came in. She like look I like your work. I'm going to fly you out, you know, introduce me to folks like Miami, Mike, and all those. Mm-hmm. Like, we like family now. Like, we cool. Uh, actually, she flew me to Miami this year for her birthday party. Um, so, you know, people like that taking a chance on you and, like, still dealing with you over time. You know, like, it, anybody I deal with, we ultimately become family because that's the kind of guy I am. So, you mm-hmm. know. Wow. Yeah. I mean, how is it being a chef? <clears throat> is this something that's, you know, very high pressurized you know absolutely like you gotta make sure you ain't getting nobody sick um, oh yeah and I think the the thing with most people especially when you're young is like the balance like you gotta do your job before you kick it and some people get too caught up in kicking it and you mm-hmm. forgot you're supposed to be there cooking you right. know what I'm saying so you you've completely lost track of what you're supposed to do. Uh, but you gotta get in, do your job, do your job good. And most times if you're doing a good job, there's, you know, the client eventually will come over and be like, hey, you come in, have a good time, you can cook, you can do your thing, you can clean up, you you know, come hang out with us. And, yeah. and that's kinda how you create those vibes. Like you can't just take it on your own to go, Right. Sit on the couch, have a right. good time, and they're like, "This right. ain't supposed to be cooking. You just done exactly. included yourself." So, uh, it's a it's a good thing. I'm able to be who I want to be in that capacity and not have to feel away. Uh, I'm not for certain, but in in the Memphis environment, I never wanted to be. I wanted to be comfortable in what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, 
I would always wear like tennis shoes and hats and stuff like that, and people would be like, "That ain't how you supposed to be." But that was that's what Your I was comfortable would with. Tell you that? No, no, this is just like outside okay. people. Uh, but that's what I was comfortable with, and people were just like, "Oh, you know, you know, I want the cool chef to come to my house because you're gonna do your job and you look good and you popping so, and you can hold a conversation. Like if you a conversation piece got to be a part of what you that's do. It. Like Get you, if you gonna stand in the kitchen, like talk. Like you got to entertain. Like this got to be. You got to multitask. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just be standing there. People want to talk to you. Well, how you get started? Well, what you doing? So you know you got to throw them shrimp, mm-hmm. pop them pebbles in, <laughs> pop them out. Like you got to like do your thing. Like you can't just stand there all bland. Oh, I'm 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 gonna talk to you when I get through cooking. No. Okay, chatty, chatty. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about some of the behind the scenes in a kitchen. Okay. Like you know what people may not know. Like when you go to your clients. How, walk me through, like, when you get in and when you get out, or before it's time to play. Um, let's see. So, usually I arrive. Uh, first off, we have a conversation way prior to that. So, um, we talk. I get you locked in. I get your book. I see if you're my client first, though. So, oh. I have a specific client that I like to deal with. Um, okay. My my business mentor always told me that you you got the capacity to find and hire your client too. Um, so you know I've just not chosen to deal with people who I don't feel like fit my criteria as a client, and I think that's okay. Like, cause you'll you know you'll deal with some stuff that you ain't just got to be dealing with instead of just saying hey you know this ain't this ain't my thing. So, mm-hmm. but you can catch a lot of that on the front end just by having that conversation. So your All mouthpiece right. is a lot of you know what what make you go. Uh, but you get in, you have that conversation. If they're a good fit for me, you know, we talk, we get everything locked in. Um, I usually like to do a walkthrough, um, see what's going on. Uh, we talk through that, talk through the logistics. Um, day we show up, we get in, um, get everything set up, you know, cooking, prepping, talking. Most times before everybody get there, the client going to talk to you. Mm-hmm talk to you for a long time um, <laughs> especially if you're in the house they're gonna sit down you want a glass of wine they're gonna talk uh so you know be prepared to talk you know it just is what it is uh you know you're cooking guests coming in especially if you like private and they got an open kitchen um so you know you gotta make sure you have your gloves on don't be nasty wash your hands you know be cleanly a lot of sometimes people are like messy you know what i'm saying you can't leave stuff everywhere especially when you're in the open so it's always that mental notes let me make sure mm-hmm. i clean up behind clean myself you go when you cook this, these are your clients so these are the people gonna call you if it's good and so they see you nasty they're like i ain't gonna call him but we're gonna eat the food tonight because we're here mm-hmm. uh <laughs> so usually after that you get in you're cooking you know you're setting up you know and i'm as i'm plating most people are asking questions like what's this so I'm the guy who's going to be like, oh, this, this, this. And, you know, like, Mike, hey, you want to bite? You know, and I'm give it to you. You know, I I like to really create the experience. You know, I like to say I'm trying to bring Ruth Chris or Flemings or all of that to the house. You know, you ain't got to go to to the restaurant to have a good time. Oh, like, I'm, we're going to call you know, me. Like, you know, we're going to have, we're going to fix it up. Uh, <laughs> you know, and long as everything good, you know, and you kicking in. And by that time, I'm usually cleaning up and breaking down and like, hey. Come come have a good time, you know. Either I'm going home or I'm staying, you know. Mm-hmm. And depending on the client, I'm a kid. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's I like to have a good time. So uh, nine times out of ten, I'm, I'm chill for a minute. <laughs> Do you have any pet peeves as a chef? <sighs> <laughs> ah, look at that face tonight. <laughs> uh, I'm a real clean freak. Okay. Uh, so I, I like cleanliness. Um, I don't like people to linger too much. Like, mm-hmm. you know, let me do my thing, come back, check on me later. Uh, 
I like to talk, but you know, a million questions is you know, it, it is eventually too much will stop. It'll slow you down. Mm-hmm. Um, Have you ever had to say, "Hey, excuse me, can I do my job?" A few times, a few <laughs> times, in a, nice a few way. times. I think sometimes <laughs> they notice because I shut down. I just like, okay, let me, you know, maybe mm-hmm. if I, but. It, it ultimately sometimes people just happy to see you you know sometimes yeah. people have heard so much about you they like man like I, everything i've been hearing i'm seeing you know mm-hmm. so they want to talk to you they heard your story they excited to see you so it's just like you know you kind of got to get outside of yourself a little bit and entertain because sometimes you don't even know you i've cooked for a person that didn't have the hugest house and probably had all the money but all their friends have been constant referrals and cooks so you can't mm-hmm. one thing you can't do is play somebody down based on where they stand or who they are none of that because you never know the relationships that other people got Definitely. and it's even been instances where somebody who wanted to hire you or have somebody else hire you for something small mm. and then you're like you know you hear them like oh, okay i just wanted to make sure you was good mm-hmm. you can come through now and you know it's it's just making sure you that wow now if you were throwing your own event, Uh-oh. right, and you were going <clears> to <throat> establish the menu, what would be on that menu? If you had your perfect event. It, it depends on who I'm like? cooking for. Uh-huh. Um, so, I... I'm, this I'm, would be some of your closest friends. Okay. Um... <laughs> I want them to try stuff though. Um, so I'm the guy who takes, you know, my friends to restaurants they probably never been to. Like, you know, a lot of my friends like chicken and pasta and mm-hmm. I'm just like, No, let's go over here, let's let's try something different. Um, right. So I like soups. Um, I'm a big soupy. Um, What's your favorite soup? Tomato basil for sure. Or like a fire roasted vegetable. I make a good butternut squash. It's it's kind of it's taking me over a little bit. I probably would definitely put this butternut squash on it. I like this butternut squash with some ginger snaps, and I do it with like a Brussels sprout, some some uh, fire oven roasted Brussels sprouts, mm-hmm. and some apples. Um, what would I have as an entree? Mm. I like lamb chops. But you I like, like to. I love lamb chops. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I like to let everybody else eat them though, because mm-hmm. that's my business. Uh, but I like to do like a play on lamb chops with either like a puree or a risotto, um, depending on who I'm cooking for. Again, if it's they got a little fancy palate, I might do like a turnip or parsnip puree. Um, can't do a risotto for them either, so it probably have to be like sweet potatoes, <laughs> uh, sweet mashed potatoes. Uh, oh, wow. Steak is good, you know. If you can't eat steak rare or medium, you know I can't really fool with you. Uh, really? Yeah, no, you know that's that's a waste of money. You know, mm-hmm. don't go to the restaurant and get your steak well, well done. done. Like, just don't do it. Like, <laughs> I'm just telling people today, when you go to the restaurant and you get your steak well done, they looking through the window like, oh, okay, who this fool? Okay, who is well this? Done? Who is this? Put it over there and just let it go. And this is literally what people do. They would take your steak, cook it, and sit it over there till it's as done as it can get and send it out. Yeah. But wait a minute. Now, you said unless it's rare or well. Now, let's talk rare, about rare or medium. medium. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about rare for a second. Okay. With the blood dripping. It, it ain't, With so the bloody ra- blood blood. It ain't really bloody. You know, what like is it it's. Then? So when people cook steak, they, they cook it from the outside in. Mm-hmm. So in in the middle it ain't bloody, but it's definitely like rare. Um, yeah. 
but it's easier to digest because of the enzymes. You know, when you cook it, it gets tough. Um, so medium would be perfect. You know, mm-hmm. in the ideal world, that's what you should eat your your steak at. In the ideal world, you would eat duck medium, uh, lamb medium, all of that. You know, well done, just ain't it. You know, and then it takes several days to digest once it's sitting in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that also speaks to the kind of foodie you are. When you go to a restaurant, they're like, oh, they don't belong here. I'm like, you don't belong if you're eating it. And I'm, this ain't just something I'm throwing out there. This is what they thinking, you know. You didn't came to my fine dining establishment well and got a well done steak. They <laughs> <laughs> Wow. It don't work. Okay, Chef Philip Dwayne, <laughs> has there ever been an ingredient that you've been wanting to use but haven't? Recent. Avocado. Avocado? Avocado. I've never... To make a good guac? So, I mean, this is probably just in, like, the last year and a half. Like, I'm the biggest guac fan. Like, I would eat at Babalu. Baby, I'm ready. <laughs> Quick on that guac. I love. I just started making guac two weeks ago. That, you can't tell me shit. I man, listen. <laughs> I ate Babalu's guacamole when I first had it. I know three weeks straight, like just getting mm-hmm. it. And, it, and I like sun-dried tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they put them sun-dried mm-hmm. and jalapenos. Like and it's it's it. like it's life changing. Mm-hmm. Um, so avocado was it I started to play around with avocado a whole lot um, And it's a healthy fat mm-hmm. uh, Which is super good It's real bland So it don't hurt you to eat it But most people see it and be like I ain't gonna eat that Like mm-hmm. what is that It's it's so good for you yeah. Full of nutrients All that avocado. good stuff I eat it You know I sometimes I just cut an avocado open And just pop it Like eat it up uh, Like just it by itself Just it by itself Wow Yeah um, Cause it's so good And, and it, it stores good fat It's healthy fat So mm-hmm. it's It's perfect um, But that's my That's like my food That's like my go to now mm-hmm. um, I like to play with avocado uh, Jackfruit Jackfruit uh, recent, Yeah Jackfruit. Jackfruit. What's jackfruit? It's uh, it's a fruit. Um, it's a little different. Um, but my play on it is it it can break down, um, to like be marinated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do like a take on like a pulled pork sandwich, mm-hmm. and cut it down real good and marinate it. And honestly, you'll think it's meat. Like it's mm, it's the good. Fruit. The fruit. It, it's good. Put a little coleslaw in it, like an apple cider coleslaw or something like that. Can you get it at the grocery store? A jackfruit? You probably like Whole Foods. Okay. Uh, Whole Foods, Sprouts, Fresh Market. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's good. Yeah. Are those some of like your favorite places to get your... That's my client's item? favorite place for sure. Okay. I ain't walking in nobody's house with a Kroger bag. Like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no disrespect to Kroger. Like, I, I get it, but nah, they... <laughs> On the Whole Foods, Sprouts, or Fresh Market. That's that's it. That's all. Like, Kroger who? No. They know you when you come up they in there, right? They know you when you come in there. Wow. Do you like food? Are you a big foodie? I mean, I know you're a chef, but do you? No, I like food. Um, I don't like the food, the surrounding foods. Like, okay. I'm not a big catfish. I had enough chicken and rice, you know, like... You'd like to explore. I like to explore. So this year, uh, I've been to seven Michelin star restaurants. Uh, and I'll explain Michelin. Uh, 
Michelin is like the highest rating you can get as a restaurant, like world renowned, and it goes from one to three stars. So one is like not bad at all. Like it's really, really good. But three is like you can walk in the restaurant, eat off the floor, you can sit down and have a meal in the bathroom, mm. and that's how impeccable the restaurant is. Michelin. Michelin. Um, from one to seven, one to three stars though. One start off at about. Spend about three fifty um, on a meal. You get up to three stars. Just spend between like six hundred and seven. Um, that's on one meal. Mm. But that's my, I would say that's my designer. Like um, I like to, I like to eat good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you go to those places, it's a whole different type of experience. Like it's a different ball game. It's you sitting at the table. You know, you ain't touching no chairs because they pushing your chair. As soon as you get through with the fork, cooking the fork up, putting another one down. You can wipe your mouth with a napkin. We can give you another napkin. <laughs> you can have this glass too long. Your glass ain't cold no more. We're gonna give you another one. Like exceptional it's service. Exceptional. At these Michelin spots. Real knowledgeable. We have some of them in Memphis. No, absolutely. No not. Michelin. In, <laughs> no. No Michelin in no, Memphis. No Michelin. I mean it. I, I think Andrew Michaels is, is well on their way. Like well on their way. They they pretty dope. Uh, outside of that though, no. Um, but it's 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 the kind of service like you won't forget. You're like, dang, like what? I mean, it, it seems like it takes mm-hmm. years of training, but it's mm-hmm. like from the time you hit the door to the time you leave, it's like something you won't have again. And so, um, I did my tour of the country and went to a few. So I went to New York, um, Miami. I went to Los Angeles. Um, I just left Providence. I went to Chicago. I went to Elania, which is uh, the 15th best restaurant in the world. Uh, that meal was about 6.50. It was 10 courses. Uh, you don't get to pick your food though. Okay. So when you go to these places, the, the menu is already preset. Um, you can pair wine with it, uh, but the wine is like another 140-ish or something like that. But usually these wines come from like an exotic place. So it might come from like a rainforest over in mm. Venezuela, but you, you won't get this wine nowhere but here. Uh, but it's a good time. You know, it's, it's, again, something you never had. I mean, this particular restaurant, my dessert was a balloon full of helium. And so you pull the balloon, like literally a balloon, you pull it down, you suck the helium out of it, and then you eat the balloon. What? Yeah. Wow. That's That was my dessert. Was it good? Mm-hmm. The balloon It tastes like good? green Laffy Taffy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I ain't never heard of anything <laughs> like that. That's quite an experience. Yeah. Wow. Do you find yourself as a chef, like, wherever you go to eat, like, wherever, are you, like, as a chef, always critiquing? I try not to. Mm-hmm. Um, my face, I always give it away because <laughs> I just can't have my facial expression. So mm-hmm. I'm usually, I got to look on my face. And you usually know if I'm pleased or I'm mm-hmm. just like, uh, uh, I'm going to eat it regardless, though. I'm If I go somewhere, I'm never the type. I don't like to send stuff back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hate it. If you go out to eat with me, don't send your food back. Mm-hmm. We we gonna fight. Um, just eat it, you know. Unless it's like just unacceptable, like no. But I think that's the worst thing in the world, like you know, just sending food back. Uh, but yeah, you'll know. I'm, I got this look, and it's just like, nah, this ain't it. Mm-hmm. But you know, at the end of the day, just don't come back. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, if you hate it, just hate it at home, and just yeah. you know, 
You have to go till it, but like, oh, this was horrible. <laughs> you know, it just don't go back. Wow. <laughs> okay, Chef Philip Dwayne. Like, what you got going on with your brand these days? And you know, what's what what you got coming up in the future? Are you expanding the brand? What's going on? Uh, it's a lot going on. So I'm relaunching my meal prep company, um, and we're calling it Recover, um, which is my means to cater more towards people who are recovering from like health issues injuries uh, so i want to cater to athletes and this might be like a go-to for them after injuries or after games you know something my meals have always been grab and go uh, so it's always prepared you don't have to cook anything just throw it in the mic for a few seconds i know a lot of people don't like the microwave but it's literally for the sake of convenience. Um, I've had clients to fly those things out of town and have a week out of town and come back and, you know, it does about body good. That's what I say. <laughs> um, I'm at the Dixon uh, Park in Cherry. Um, we're coming up on a year in March, March 12th. So How's it going over there? It's, it's awesome. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, we just had, um, well, we're, we're now having our new exhibit, Augusta Savage, who's like the black renaissance woman. Super dope. Um, exhibit really really nice um, really trying to you know create some diversity and get some different things going in there um, I've had a ton of support from just the board members from the staff to just random people uh, might be potentially working on spot number two um, it's 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 on it's in the makings um, it could be coming soon, you know, just still trying to figure it all out, get the kinks out, but it's definitely growth. Uh, still private chefing, so, you know, people call. I got a good team now who, you know, kind of got my back. I got a good supporting cast, so it's easier to just, you know, take off if I need to take off. Uh, might be some food network there, you know. Can't okay, really say for sure, but uh, we'll see. some reality <laughs> TV around here? Keep it on low. Okay, now you know you have to give the Verbally Effective Podcast the exclusive, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. can be posted. I keep you posted. Wow. I'll call you first. Yeah, call me first. <laughs> now, you know, just listening to your story, you know, I heard you mention being clean and cleanliness that's very important. And it kind of makes me think as far as current events, this big virus going around, the coronavirus. Have you heard of the coronavirus? I have. I was just on the phone today and I was telling somebody about the boat in, um, I think it's Rome. Or it might be in Greece. It's one of them, but there's a boat with like 6,000 people on it. Right. And, and two people like, got it. And so now everybody's right. stranded on the boat until yeah, they, yeah. they have to quarantine. Yeah. To see what's going on. Right, right. But like I heard this virus started with like bat soup. Yeah. <laughs> people playing too much with food. <laughs> what is going it, on? Every, everything ain't to be ate. You know, like you, you just can't. I don't care how much you boil it, bake it. None of that. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, it's something deep down in there that just ain't supposed to be ate. And mm-hmm. you can't you mm-hmm. can't do it, you know. But that's what they're doing for in countries. You know, they boiling and baking cockroaches and worms and oh all of that God. now. So it's, it's Have a, you seen this with your own mm-hmm, eyes? Mm-hmm. Like all of this, like different kind of mm-hmm, foods. Mm-hmm. What's the most exotic thing you've cockroach. seen? Cockroach, like for a, sure. Like cockroach. Cockroach. Cooked. And they liked it. Oh, love it. What's so good a about pla- that? Uh, I, I can't tell you, but they love it. But you weren't trying to get near nah, that shit. Nah, not Sheffield. They love it, though. I have a plate full of them. It's like, 
jalapeno poppers just popping them up like it's wow. it's horrible um but that's what they do you know and i i like to think that it's because you know uh pests are going to be pl- uh plentiful mm-hmm. you know they're going to rekindle and it's going to just grow and grow and grow and grow and i you know maybe it's an abundance of them over there and that's mm-hmm. a way to keep from running out of food oh, you know i can't <laughs> And where is this again with the cockroaches? This is in like Bangkok in China and stuff. Okay, yeah, Bangkok. I was oh, headed yeah. to Bangkok, but I'm like, nah, I ain't nah, trying to get that virus. You know, like to get that virus. <laughs> I think they kind of stopping a lot of travel right now due to the coronavirus, right. uh, which which sucks because my birthday coming up and I and I got to like be real strategic. When is about your birthday? It. It's February 13th. Shout out to the Aquarius. Shout out to Aquarius. <laughs> you know what? Another thing I heard you mentioned, um, even with you going to Raleigh, Egypt. You were, you know, helping the basketball team out as manager. So I'm, I'm assuming that you're a big basketball fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you a big Kobe fan? So, so this was what Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. Um, I think I was headed out the door. Literally, I just got dressed, and I saw it on my phone, and I was like. No. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like we do, we flickering through Instagram, Facebook is popping up. So ESPN finally put it up. And I, I just sat on back down. Like I, mm-hmm. I said some tears for Kobe. Like yeah, I was just like, too. wow, you know. And uh, I think I called my kid after I found out about Gigi. And I was just like, you know, what you doing? Like, you good? Like, I, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, when it visited some that, I don't know. I think. I hate the. No, I won't say hate. I despise the social media thing where you can't um, show emotions for somebody you don't know. But I think people have to understand the presence and the influence that Kobe have. Like, yeah. especially for us as guys, like we sat at home many days and like in those finals and, and mm-hmm. him and Shaq time, like. That was all you got sometimes, and you like excited, especially if you ain't got cable. That's back in the day. We right. all couldn't afford cable. We like Kobe right. the man. Like we waiting on next basketball season, yeah. but he was like a true example and a true pioneer of basketball. Um, and yeah. so he touched us in ways we probably didn't even realize. But mm-hmm. I mean that mama mentality, real. Like you got women and men who are like, okay, I, I need this mental right. clarity. I need whatever he got up here. Like. Uh, from a food standpoint, um, Kobe was dieting, um, and this is just word of mouth from what I know, um, ate salmon on a diet for like, I think almost a year, just straight. But he was so disciplined and so strict to do that. Like, that's tough. Yeah. People, meal prep is challenging because people don't like to eat the same thing. And this is this guy eating the same thing for a year straight. You know, that takes mm. some as they would say, sticular fortitude. Sticular uh, fortitude. <laughs> wow. But you know, R.I.P. Kobe. I, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, for Gigi. And then you know when the story came out that she was still in his arms, you know that yeah. uh, that's that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, but I made a long post and I wasn't trying to rant, but you know I was just telling guys like, you know, being a father is a privilege, you know. And being a parent is a privilege. And if you just got the chance to, like, be in your kid's life, like, if you love your kid, hug your kid. Like, you yeah. know, spend some time, be present. Like, it ain't hard, you know. A few hours out of the day, a couple hours on the weekend, just make mm-hmm. time. I think that's been my biggest sacrifice in business is not spending as much time as I would like to with my kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of, you know, 
in, in my head it's like I'm I'm as present as I can be and I'm always present for like the most important things. We spend a ton of time together, but it's just for me and not having a dad growing up, it was like, you know, I wanna be as present as I can. So, you know, I got on my phone probably way earlier than the kids should, but it's like, you know, when I answer and mm-hmm. I hit this FaceTime, you know, you better pick up. Keep, communication keep that communication open. open. But you know, that's, that's the good. extra effort. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, uh that 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 sucks for Kobe. I, I hate it. Yeah. Uh but you know what? I saw a lot of men expressing emotions that I normally didn't see on social I'm media. I'm glad people. I was glad to see it look, too. Look, because they making it now. Well, we can't be, you know, we can't be sensitive. You know, yeah. it's it's hard to be a, a sensitive guy. You know. Yeah. Are oh, you a, a sucker buster? Huh? Right, no. Right, you know, right, right. We got feelings too. You yeah. know, so okay. the masculinity is gonna be there. But we should be able to express how we feel in whatever capacity. And as a woman, or however that goes, you know, like, okay, be cool with having a sensitive yeah. guy. Like, that don't make him no punk, but everybody got moments, you know. Everybody. Uh, everybody got their moment. And if you can't have their moments, you're just going to have somebody who, like, angry all the time because they can't get it out. Because exactly. they too afraid of how it's going to be looked at. And okay. so women got to kind of think about that a little mm-hmm. bit you know he, he gonna be a man when he need to be a man right. but you know when he want to be expressive and let it out just let him have his moment you know and, and resume his mm-hmm. <laughs> ladies you hear chef philip <laughs> Dwayne? now chef philip Dwayne, give everybody your socials and how they can get in touch with you or even book a private event with you you know uh so on facebook i'm philip Dwayne. on instagram i am at Chef Philip Dwayne. Uh, my website is www.chefphilipdwayne.com. Um, I think those are my handles. If you want to get at me an email, it's chefphilipdwayne at gmail.com. So, yeah, all things me. Awesome. I just want to thank you for coming by. I really learned a lot about you, and you were very open and transparent. We family now. Yes, we family now. That's what I want to hear. Thank you so much. For stopping by the Verbally Effective Podcast for episode 105. 105. 105, Chef Philip Dwight. Thank you.